This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into episode 133 of Small Talk. Your host, Steve Cerruti and Michelle Smallman here with you. And Saruti, I see you're sitting, the, well, people on our YouTube channel can see this, but the way you're sitting, you're kind of hunched over the mic here. Uh, How are you doing today, bud? I uh, gotta be honest, not great. Um, <laughs> I got a ginger ale here trying to settle my stomach a little bit. Okay. Uh, we just did something that I think the Shelleys will like. We ate three burgers. Well, I shouldn't say we, my wife and I ate three burgers. And I, I guess I'll give some background on it. My wife, who I've known for seven years, and I've wanted to do this basically since I knew, which is probably seven or six years at least. Uh, she has never had a burger from McDonald's, Wendy's, or uh, Burger King. Not one burger from any of the three main fast food places. And I'm like, how is that possible? Yeah, she grew up in kind, She grew up in kind of like an earthy, crunchy house. They had a lot of kashi, lean, whatever. She was eating fruit leather, no sugar, all this difference. They were big wow. on the organic thing years before it was cool. So like, shouts out to her mom. What's up, Tara? So she's never had any of those things. So I was like, who better to test this out and figure out what the best fast food burger is, at least of the original three, like the main three, than my wife, Maddie. So we went out, got three burgers or got one burger from all three places. And we had her do a taste test. We just taped it before the pod. And uh, I thought it was pretty good. So we'll have that up on the Small Talk website. Make sure you check that out. And I obviously finished the leftovers and I ate most of the other burgers. And I feel like absolute shit right now. (laughs) So in the immediacy of it, because I was there, and again, check out the video on smalltalkpod.com, you were hyped to be eating Mm -hmm. the burgers. Hyped. So what was that? Maybe 30 minutes later, you're not feeling so hot. It was pretty close to immediate, honestly, because the problem was, so we go out, we we're like, what's the most efficient way to even get these burgers, right? We, yeah. we looked into DoorDash, Grubhub, all that stuff. And it was like 35 minutes. I'm like, that's too, that's too much time. How long is it going to be sitting in the car? We'll just order it and we'll go pick it up ourselves. So we did that and we brought it back home. And by the time we connected and actually started recording, I'd imagine 20 to 30 minutes probably passed. So the burgers were not fresh. They were still okay, but they were not fresh. And I don't want to put it in the microwave. That's That'll kind of ruin it too. So I think that has something to do with it. If they were more fresh, I think it would have been okay. But it's sitting like a lead brick in my stomach right now. You know, the bun and burgers from all these things. And I don't know. Old me, like 20-year-old Srudy would be totally fine. I would love this. It would be great. But 32-year-old Srudy, I almost forgot what my age is. But uh, 32-year-old Srudy, not, it's not going to go well. I'll probably tape this, call it an early night, and I'll pass out. Uh, by the way, when you said I forgot how old I was, immediately I started thinking of Blink-182. What's my age What's again? my age again? Yes. What's my age again? Classic jam. Classic <laughs> jam. Out. It was a Friday night. I forget my age <laughs> yeah. all the time, by the way. Side so do I. All the, the time. Other, the other day, I was like, am I 31 or 32? Wait, or am I 33? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. So I'm starting to count back the years. 88. Okay, here we go. I'm 32. I legitimately forget my age all the time. And I'm just like, I'm in my 30s. I'm alive. Whatever. I feel like if you get past 25, if you're past 25 and you're under 40, it's just all kind of the same. I think once you hit 31, 30 is a big deal. The round numbers are, you know, 30, yeah, 40, whatever. 30, 40. And, you know, 20, like, okay, you're 20, but you want to be 21 because you want to be able to drink legally. 31 is the birthday where you're like, this doesn't mean shit anymore. I, in fact, I don't even care about, I don't, I didn't really care about my birthdays ever, but 31, I'm like, who cares? I don't know whether I'm turning 31, 32, 33. It's all the same to me. I feel the same. It doesn't really matter. After 30, it's kind of all downhill from there. It basically is. Okay, well, Steve, I know you're feeling a little shitty because of the burgers, but you should be feeling great because I know you have some news that you'd like to share with the Shelleys. Yeah, yeah, ups and downs here on this pod. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I officially put it on Twitter today, and uh, we did a podcast actually there. But uh, I am going to be joining the Ringer. I am at the Ringer currently. I started on Monday. Uh, so shout out to Bill, shout out to Ryan. I'm back working on Ryan's podcast. I'm also going to be working on some other cool stuff that they have going on. And, you know, I've been a big fan of the ringer since it started and 
I uh, know a lot of the people there already. And uh, so happy to be back in sort of the content machine of podcasting with a really great group. And I don't know what this means. Like, I'd like to bring more soccer to the ringer. Obviously, I'll be back on Ryan's show. We've got some other cool projects that I can't quite talk about yet, but I think people will really like them. So good to have like another f- full-time job again after a weird 2020. I was talking about on Ryan's pod a little bit. I'm like, you know, 2020 was a year, a weird year for me. Like it was for probably a lot of people, but you know, mm-hmm. I had a lot of found myself. I had a lot of, you know, introspection <laughs> and had a lot of downtime to think about what I really wanted to do. And I'm glad it worked out this way because even if I had to wait a long time, it's really a great spot for me. So pumped about it. It is. I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. I think it is such a great landing spot for you. You're absolutely going to kill it there and they are lucky to have you. But the good news is, is that people are going to be able to check out all your work at the ringer. Exactly. And, you know, back with Ryan. So it'll be fun. Um, we did a little life advice today. I sat life advice out. I know you're a big Kyle fan and I am too. He's actually way funnier than I am. So I let him do that. I'll just talk about magic and hoop stuff with Ryan. I'll leave the funny stuff to Kyle. So I admittedly don't get to listen to Ryan's pod as much as I would like, mostly because he talks NFL and NBA, which has no bearing on my life or my job. So, or college football. Yep. So as much, I want to listen to it more. And now that you're there, I definitely will have to tune in. But when I see it's NBA, I'm like, well, I don't need to know about the NBA. Yeah, you don't need to know about like Raptors, uh, Pelicans one night. That's just not on your radar. It's just not. And I wish it was, but I just don't watch it. The Cardinals, the Blues, college chips, I don't have time for it. But the times that I have listened, I think Kyle is so funny and he is such a character. And I love his throaty laugh that that he has. And I did text Ryan. I was like, I picture Kyle to be really chill and really fun like everybody loves Kyle but a little disheveled so you're gonna have to confirm or deny that for me it's early days but seems like a great dude and I'm not gonna step on his toes because the guy is much funnier than I am but if we're talking about I will be breaking down Raptors uh, Pelicans for sure (laughs) that's my that's my so Kyle confirmed Kyle will be on life advice Kyle will still be on life advice and actually we had Rossini on the pod today and she was very excited I actually that was the first time I had seen her and really talked to her in probably I don't know since I left ESPN, really. Wow. And she was very excited about me drafting her into the house of Rudy. She was very pumped about that. So she says, thank oh. you. Well, I mean, she can say thank you, but we all know whose house won. Again, you won the popular house. vote, but I would not change a thing about my house. <laughs> anyway, here the nor best, there. One of the best things that has happened to us in a long time happened on Instagram. So when I shared the video about uh, the podcast, about us picking the houses and the breakout video that Steve chose was me being really upset that Damian Woody was swiped from me. And Damian Woody shared the video and he just wrote, you snooze, you lose. <laughs> Again, Which I thought was the best response yep. of all time and makes me even more upset that I didn't get him in my house and even more jealous that you got him because I was like, this is why I love Damien Woody. That was such a perfect line yep. and it's so funny. You see what you lose. Again, Twelman, Rossini, Damien Woody, I banned a thousand here. All of them, absolute grade A picks for a house to hang out in. So Woody's the best. He is. Okay, well, things are going well for you. New gig at the ringer. Things are going exceptionally well for me, Steve, Mm. because my Illinois Fighting Illini are not only Big Ten tournament champions for the first time since 2005. They are number one seed in the tournament, Steve. First time in the tournament since 2013. I'm obsessed with this team. I loved this team last year. The tournament was canceled. I thought they could really go into the NCAA tournament last year and make some noise. And then heading into this season, I kept saying it on my show, Steve. I was like, this is a Final Four team. They have the capabilities to be a Final Four team. They had some losses that I'm sure they would like back. They lost the bragging rights game to Missouri. And I told my co-host, Randy Carriker, yeah, it was rough. I told my co-host, Randy Carriker, I go, you know, I cover the Cardinals and the Blues 
And I always want them to win because I want St. Louis to win. And because I like a lot of the people that work there and I cheer for the people, but I'm not as emotionally invested in it as I am Illinois. And Illinois football has never really been good. At least while I was there, we went to the Rose Bowl once. Juice Williams. Shout out to Juice. Love Juice Williams. Great jerseys too. Who doesn't love Juice Williams? Yes, absolutely. Like I had great football memories, but I love Illinois basketball. I love my school because of the basketball team. I changed my major because of that basketball team. That's how much I loved them. And that 2005 national championship game is my biggest sports tragedy. I still get upset about it. I still cannot believe that they lost. And so I said at the beginning of the season to my co-host, I don't know how in I should be on this Illinois team. And by that, I mean... I know they're good. I know they have the capabilities to be great, but I don't know if I can get my heart broken. Like, I don't want to raise my expectations and think that they can win only to be bummed out as Illinois fans constantly are. And then as the season kept going on, they're getting better. They're getting better. Now they're really good. Iodesumu breaks his nose, concussion. He's out. They stomp Michigan, absolutely stomp them without the national player of the year. And I'm like, this team can win the national championship game. Io comes back. Steve, they win the Big Ten tournament for the first time, as I said, since 2005. And I am irrationally confident in this Illinois team. It's to the point where, yes, I know Gonzaga is amazing. Yes, I know there was a ton of Big Ten teams in this tournament that are going to be forced to be reckoned with. Yes, I know about Baylor, even though I think they're a little vulnerable since their COVID situation that they dealt with at the end of February. But it is to the point where I am convinced that Illinois is going to win the national championship game. And if they don't, I'm going to be devastated. Which it's in college hoops, it's never great if you're taking a team versus the field. Like you have to take the field here, even of if course. even though how and they're not, they're not the number one overall seed, right? Gonzaga yeah. is. I'm, I'm I'll fully admit that my college hoops knowledge is not up to where it used to be, but and I also feel like I pick Gonzaga like every year now, just because I'm mad. One of these years, Gonzaga is going to win the title. I'll probably pick him again. Oh, maybe I'll pick Illinois. Don't pick, although, him, this, don't pick him this year. If we're no, if you're in the bracket with me though, I can't pick Illinois too because I got to pick a different team. You know, I got although I will be rooting for Illinois because I want to see you happy, but I'm confused. <laughs> Why all of a sudden, as you said, they hadn't made the tournament since 2013. Correct. What's going on? New coach, new system, what's happening? New coach, So, So like, this is the first year a new coach, he brought in all these new players? No, 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 it's a building process. Brad Underwood came on board in 2017, and it took a little bit for him to recruit these players and to build this team. And as I mentioned, they were good last year. I think they would have been an interesting and probably dangerous team in the tournament last year. But Kofi came back, Io DeSumo came back, and they were like, we are coming back to win a national championship. By the way, Steve, the very first national championship at Illinois, they've never won before. And that's the thing is I don't want to get too hyped to have the fall be really great, but I'm already there. Like we are there. I am waking up every morning with a huge smile on my face. I'm like, Hey, guess what? One more day until Illinois plays again. I am so in that it's either going to be the best sports moment of my entire life or the absolute worst. So I'm looking at the bracket. You've got what day do you guys play? Friday, Saturday? Friday, 12-15. Okay, so you got Drexel. I mean, you know, one is only ever lost to a 16 one time. Correct. Um, so it's probably not happening. Virginia. And then you got maybe Sister Jean in round two, Loyola, Chicago. That's uh, And that's kind of a Chicago rivalry thing too, right? Correct. I imagine Illinois are a lot of their players from Chicago. So that's the yes. funny thing about why Illinois should always be good because Chicago is other other than maybe new york city is the best basketball hub city in the country right so illinois should always be great it is the biggest mystery of my life why illinois is not a dominant powerhouse in basketball every single year now they're getting there brad underwood is building something amazing and obviously this team is going to only reinforce and help those efforts but i always said the same thing if you could just keep 
the talent in Illinois, in Illinois, they would win the national championship game every single year. Derrick Rose, Anthony Davis, Dwayne Wade. It's insane, the amount of talent. None of those people went to Illinois. No, <laughs> no, they didn't. They um, so, all right, well, shouts out. To, I mean, I'm going to be rooting for him because, like I said, I like to see you happy. I think they are kind of – they're not a blue blood, but Illinois basketball is the thing. And I grew up – you and I are similar in age – that 05 team, I remember it was Luther Head, it was Deep Brown. And who's the third guy I was missing? Darren Williams. Darren. Oh my God. How am I missing Darren, Darren Williams? James Augustine. James Augustine. Rev, former Rev Magic Rev Rev Powell. Oh my God. That was the best team. They were so fun. And this team has shades of that. So many of these guys have amazing stories. It's such a fun and likable team. You need to pick Illinois, Steve, just so I can scoot over and you can jump on this bandwagon. They're so fun. They love they have such great chemistry and they have such great personalities when you watch them play the bench is always going crazy they do this thing where they slap the floor i'm telling you i'm gonna send you some videos there are many guys steve bench on this mom. team that you would that you would love you would love ira sumo because he's a baller you would love kofi coburn because he's a big man and he's just see the shack guy the guy that everyone compares yes, to Shaq? Yes, that's insane i mean nothing against him but that seems i mean to compare someone to Shaq, that's like comparing I'm trying to think. Who's another? That's like comparing somebody to Yao Ming. That's a once. <laughs> he's one of one. There's only one of right. those ever made, period. But Yeah, he's so, getting a lot of Shaq comparisons in the Big Ten tournament. But you'll love him. One of the guys on the team that I really love, his story is Andre Corbello. He's from Puerto Rico. I'm going to send you some. Okay. I'm just going to send you, you some You love the backstories on these. You know you lo- I love You them. love the storylines. This is the same thing with Colton Wong and all these. You love the where these guys come from and yes. what makes them tick. Where I'm but just you like, would also play well. love the way he plays. You love, you would love the way Andre Corbello plays. You would love him as a player. All right, so maybe I'll pick Illinois. We're probably not gonna be the same bracket. I actually have to fill out my bracket. I haven't filled it out yet. I have to do it by tomorrow. I think at noon or something. So for work. Yes. Well, no. This is like an well, official bracket. It's, it's, it's my just... mom's pool, and it's a huge pool. My mom doesn't run it, but it's through her school, and there's a bunch of people in it. I do it every year. I always fill it out for her, so it's really mine, but it's kind of my mom's. But I pick Gonzaga like every year, and they always come close, but they never actually win it. So maybe I'll, of course, the one year I, I'll pick Illinois this year, and Gonzaga will win it all. That's what's going to happen. So hold on, let me pull up the stat for you. I hope I get it right. Let me. I think I have my work and notes right here. The other number one. So we got Michigan's a number one seed. Who? That's who you beat in the Big Ten championship, right? I actually think that they're pretty vulnerable. They're my first number one seed out. And then um, let Baylor. me find the stat for you. And like I said, Baylor dealt with COVID um, and hasn't been the same. Okay, so here's the stat, and I hope that I get it right. And you think about this, Steve, when you're trying to pick Gonzaga or Illinois. It's been six years since the last time the number one overall seed reached the final four, and I believe eight years since they won the championship. So there's a curse of the number one overall huh. seed. I hope that's right. I hope that's the right stat. But either way, it's been it's been a while since the number one overall seed wins, which was why I was very pumped that Illinois did not get it. Well, it's, so Gonzaga is the number one overall seed. They've got they're probably going to have well they got maybe Mizzou in the second round. Who knows? Um, or Mizzou, Oklahoma. Mizzou could be tough. But I have yeah, they beat you guys. advancing. They got Virginia. I I have a soft spot in my heart for Tony Bennett's team. I just I mean I don't like the way they play COVID, their style. Too. Oh They're okay. Dealing with COVID. Dealing with COVID, so maybe not them. They've got Kansas in their bracket, but Kansas is not the same Kansas. That's not it's not your grandfather's Kansas. And then Iowa isn't Iowa good? The Big Ten, I guess stacked. I, yeah, I was good. The Big Ten is absolutely stacked this year, which is why I'm so convinced that Illinois is going to win because they're the best team in the best conference, and this is far and away the best. And they're tested. A, they're battle tested. Iron sharpens iron, Steve. And I was just thinking about this. Think about how excited I am. I wish that I could bottle this feeling and sell it. We would be billionaires.
millionaires. There's nothing like the love you have for your school, the place that you went. And you're always going to love your teams from your school probably more than anything else. It's the excitement of the tournament. It's, it's a different feeling when your team has come close but has never won at all. So the happiness and excitement and anxiety and hope that I have, but also the nausea I feel that it could all come crumbling down in one second. It's the most amazing feeling in the whole world. And this is why sports are great. This is why we love sports. This feeling that I have right now. And I never thought that I would feel this way again about a team ever. And I love this team. I have not felt this way in 16 years. 16 years, Steve, I've waited for a team like this. 16 years. Well, I'm very happy for you. And I will be rooting for them in your honor. I don't really have a dog in the fight. Now, my wife, Maddie, she's a UConn alum. And I believe they're on the opposite side of the bracket with you anyway. So if they meet in the title game, there might be some issues there. But Although I'm not a UConn fan. I didn't go to UConn. I'm from Connecticut. I grew up kind of a UConn fan, but when I went to college, I didn't really like UConn in college. I went to Quinnipiac, which is a smaller school. Not a great basketball school. D1, but never made the tournament. Um, we're a good hockey school. I'll tell you that. We've been we've lost in two national championship games. Just wow. But I never had the my school was in the tournament thing or my, I'm a football school. I'm going to go to a game kind of thing. So I've always been a free agent sort of college fan. And I pick players more than I pick teams. So if you're telling me this Illinois team is fun to watch and they've got a lot of great characters, I believe you. And I will be rooting for Illinois to to win it all. I guess I'm going to pick them. I guess that's it. Do you have a final four? Who's your final four? This year, more than any other year, I think a lot of people wanted to go chalk and pick most of the number one scenes to come out. I actually did not. I only have Illinois as the only number one seed advancing, which is probably a mistake. But really, all you have to do is pick the winner. And I definitely am. So I'm not that Mm -hmm. concerned about it. So I have Iowa beating Gonzaga. I have them falling in the, what is that? Elite eight. Yeah. I have. Do you have an all big 10 final, an all big 10 final four? No, three out of four though. Yeah, of course. I have um, Ohio state advancing out of the South, obviously Illinois coming out of the Midwest and I have Alabama coming out of the East. Oh, okay. People like Alabama. I didn't know that. I actually have Michigan losing to Florida state, but yeah, Alabama is a really good team. I've heard that. Yes. And I think that they have an easier path. Let me pull. So you're out on Baylor. You're out on Baylor. Baylor dealt with COVID at the end of February, and I don't think they've been the same. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Alabama that I really like is they have a really elite defense and they're really fast. I really like defense the, travels the pace of their team. And I just, I'm telling you, Michigan has had some stumbles down the stretch here and Florida State is a really good team, and I just, I don't, here's where I get twisted. I want to pick Big Ten teams because they have played an an amazing conference this year, and a lot of these teams are really good, but then I feel like because I've seen them more, I know some of their vulnerabilities, I guess, a little bit better, so I don't know if their vulnerabilities are enough to let another team beat them or or if they're just better. That's where I get tripped up. Oh, hold on. Uh, My Badgers aren't in it. Yes, they are. They're. Where, I don't see them. They're playing North Carolina in the South. It's an eight, a good eight nine matchup. Oh, there we go. Okay, on Wisconsin. There we go. Let me just say this. Um, I'm not going to pick Wisconsin. You're going to be mad. I don't. Maybe I've said this to you before. So if I have, yeah, I apologize. But you're going to be mad if I haven't. I think Michigan is the coolest team in the Big Ten. Not basketball. Not sports specific. I just think Michigan is cool. Ohio State. Bleh, get out of here. Sorry. Why Wisconsin, is Michigan the coolest? Because I don't know. Uh-huh. No, I've just always thought Michigan. Their colors are cool. Ann Arbor's an awesome place. Um, Brady, Have you been there? Can you confirm? I've never place? been. You're right. Okay. I, I've been to Madison. And Madison's great. I've also I've never been to Champaign. I've never been. But I'm just saying. I've heard Ann Arbor's great. 
So I'm just saying from a a New Englander's perspective, an outsider's perspective, on perception alone, Michigan's kind of a cool school. It is. It is. Michigan is very cool. And I've never been there. I've been to most Big Ten schools, have not made my way to Ann Arbor. Most people that have been there say it's awesome. But how much of that is tied to the big house and tied to football? Would you really think they were that cool if they weren't a dominant football program at one point? Probably not. Because they had, you know, they had the the Fab Five. They have the unique helmets for football. Again, the maize and blue is a cool color scheme. It is. They're cool. I just, I don't know why growing up, and I've never been a Michigan fan, but if I I was always kind of drawn to Michigan for some reason. And I picked Michigan to win the the title a couple years ago and they had Trey Burke. I love Trey Burke. So there's no weird Michigan connection for me. I think I like too many Big Ten schools. That's the problem. I like Iowa. Iowa's a cool, I mean, I don't want to be in Iowa, sorry. But Iowa seems like a cool school. You know what it is? You're an actual Midwesterner. You're a Big Ten guy trapped in a Northeasterner's (laughs) body. You are. I'm Midwest Michelle. You're actually Midwest Steve. You sneaky might love the Midwest more than me. You're always talking about how much you love the Big Ten, how much you want to go to Wisconsin. You love a lake situation. You like a good cookout. You would thrive in Big Ten country. As much as I hate to say it, I think the Big Ten collection of schools in the Big Ten, they're the coolest conference. They're not always the most successful. They're not always the sexiest. Because I think a lot of people be like, oh, SEC football. Eh, SEC, get out of here. The SEC, it's football and nobody else cares about anything else. Okay, period. Plus, I don't think some of your schools are that cool, to be honest with you. Texas A&M, mm, come on. What are we doing? Um, you know, Arkansas, like with all the respect. Like, what are we doing? Mississippi State. Mississippi, come on, I mean, you know, you know I, not great. Uh, but whereas I go top to bottom in the Big Ten, now yeah, in Maryland it gets a little bit confusing. Never, uh, I've never been a big Penn State guy. Sorry to the Penn State people. I know that there's an army of Penn State people. Um, but for the most part, I think the Big Ten top to bottom is probably the coolest conference there is. Pac, yeah. Pac-12, you got to throw that out because they're just weird. They have a lot of cool mm-hmm. schools, but none of them are really relevant. So, and then what else is there? The Big Twelve. The Big Twelve is basically like a lesser cool version of the Big Ten. So I would just say the Big Ten to me is is the ACC? conference that has it all. ACC. The problem with the ACC is. They have an inferiority complex, okay? They think they're the SEC, and they're not. They're better at basketball, but it almost feels like they want to be better at football. And if you kind of think about it, too, they're very top-heavy. There's a lot of weird schools in the ACC, too. So Mm -hmm. I just think if you're talking one to how many, what are there, 14 teams probably in the Big Ten? 15? One to 15? We we sometimes forget about the Maryland Rutgers experiment. (laughs) Oh, Rutgers. Okay, if you throw, okay, everything I said back. I feel like does Rutgers even realize they're in the Big Ten? It's bizarre. They're somehow in the tournament. I mean, good for them. I know. No, actually, they're a decent team. I think they're the only lower seed that's actually favored in the first round. I think I read that somewhere. Um, there are 10 playing in seven. But if you throw Rutgers out, because you're right, Rutgers, Jersey, what are we doing? They thought they were getting the New York market by getting Rutgers. Nobody so cares dumb. at all about college sports. Um, and it may be even throw, Maryland is a cool school, but I don't think of it, it as a Big Ten team. But Same. the Big Ten in totality, very, very cool conference. And you know what, Steve? I would love for one day me to get to show you champagne because I think Same. you would have an absolute blast. You would love it. And then I would be curious to see if I took you on a perfect champagne weekend. Same thing as when you went to I know to where you're going. I know Madison. where you're going. No way. You've never been there. You've never been there. You could love, love at it first sight, Michelle. It was love at first sight. You only have that one time in your life. And for me, it was when I got off the plane and stepped into Madison. That's that is it. so true. I was there, confirmed, saw it. You literally had the heart eyes, like the emoji. You were so in love with Madison. But I would like for you to go to Champagne with an open mind. Let me show you a good time. Let me show you how Illinois parties. And you might like it more. I'm not denying. I would probably love champagne. I'm sure it's beautiful, but 
I have history with Madison. We're never going to get over that. You know, you don't get over your first crush. It's with you the rest of your life. That's how, that's me and Madison. Okay. Champagne. I, maybe I want to marry Champagne, but I'm always gonna be thinking about Madison. Okay. That's what, that's how it goes. That is too good. And you know what? Madison is an awesome time. Yeah, I don't blame sure. you. I don't blame you. Even if you came to Champaign-Urbana to say, this is pretty sick. I love it. But like, what about Madison? Because I love Illinois with all my heart. And I went to Madison and was like, yeah, this place is dope. It's, <laughs> it's just great. it's different, period. Great. It's great. Okay, well, I'm so glad we did a little bracket talk. And here's what I need from you because you couldn't watch Cardinal Baseball with me. You you didn't follow up on that promise, which is fine. It's totally fine. But I need you to be Sorry. in on Illinois. I need you to wear orange or at least in your mind, like mentally wear orange on Friday. And I need you to be in. I need you to be in. If you're gonna pick them, if you don't pick them, that's fine. But if you if you do choose them, I need you in. What time is the game? 1215 Friday. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, whatever. I'll move some things aside and watch the game. I'm, I don't know if I'll be wearing orange, but I'm all in. I'm all in. I don't have a dog in the race, so uh, you're giving me one right now. It seems like you would have orange in your closet. I don't know why. Maybe it's your coloring, Steve, but it, I feel like orange might work for you. I think if of all the colors in the spectrum, I, orange is probably the one I own the least of. Really? Yeah. So today is St. Patrick's Day, and I did not have one thing that screen. Not one. Not one thing to wear to work that screen. I'm so not I a big Notre Dame stuff instead. Oh, okay, that works. Okay, this stuff yeah. from Tommy Reese. Shout out to Tommy Tom- Reese. Yeah, good, to yeah. Tommy. yeah, that's yeah. close enough. I'm not one of those people that wears red. Well, obviously, I'm not one of those people. But are you one of those people that wears red on Valentine's Day, red around Christmas, and green on St. Patrick's Day, and orange on how or on how I don't know. Like you want to? You don't strike me as one of those people that's got a festive dresser. <laughs> You act like you don't know me. You know I love a theme. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, yeah, but I, no, I can't see you being like, it's, like it's St. Patrick's Day, time to get my green shirt out. I, I don't know. For some reason, I just don't feel like that's you. But I guess maybe I'm reading you wrong. I don't know. I don't remember. Well, in all the years we worked together, I don't remember you ever doing that. Well, I'm not wearing like a Kiss Me I'm Irish tee, but yeah, I'll throw a little green in there. Have well, a little festive moment. The Kiss Me I'm Irish person, not only are they festive, but they're also probably hammered puking in a parking lot somewhere in a major city. That person's on a totally different level than if you just wear like a green scarf one day to work, you know? Totally. Yeah. Do you think that in a post-COVID world, Kiss Me I'm Irish is going to play? Yes, I know people are getting vaccinated and they're about to be out in the streets again, but I don't know, even after I'm fully vaccinated and the pandemic has come to a close, that I'm going to feel cool with people randomly kissing me on the street because it's St. Patrick's Day. I think, listen, don't shoot the messenger um, because I know there are still a lot of people that are very sensitive about the COVID stuff, but we need to prepare everyone for what's going to happen this summer. It's going to be a hot girl summer again. People are not oh. going to give a fuck at all. If, if you're vaccinated, I'm sorry. This whole thing with Biden being like, oh, July 4th, maybe people can get, bro, come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. And again, not political whatsoever. I'm a realist. That shit ain't happening, bro. They're going to be doing that w- way earlier than July 4th. As soon as people get the vaccine, and I, I say that, you know, hopefully, but as soon as people get the vaccine, that's like a free pass to do whatever you want. So I think you're telling me to kiss me on Irish thing and all that whole deal. I think this summer is going to be, it's going to be like Drake summer 16 and a hot girl summer mixed together. And that's what this summer is going to be for single people and even not single people. It's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. So I'm going to Miami in July with a group of girls and I'm afraid. I am legitimately (laughs) scared. Things are going to get turned up and things could get weird. And I said to them, I go, you have to understand, we are going to be like baby deers that are released out into the wild. (laughs) We don't have our bearings quite yet, but we're out there. I'm concerned, Steve, for a boat day. You know, I live for a boat day, but it's been a while since your girls had a boat day. Am I going to be Tom Brady stumbling off the boat? We know boat beers well, hit different. Boat, boat rosé certainly hits different. Oh, yeah. I mean, when we were on that boat in Chicago, 
uh, and we had been drinking Frosé all, all we had, well, we had the original, we had the mimosas in the morning, then we graduated to Frosé. Then we got the boat with some claws. That was an aggressively drunk day. <laughs> and I can only, that's going to just be the baseline for what this summer is going to be like. So it's going to be like back in the olden days, they used to not feed dogs to make them crazy. And then they would you know, send them at somebody and they would go absolutely rabid. That's going to be people. It's going to be like when you go to college for someone who's never drank before. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my God we're free. I could do anything I want. This is amazing. And then that person just like blacked out drunk every single night. That's what I would say a lot of the population is going to be doing this summer period. There's not so, a lot of product, not a lot of productivity going on at work. It's just going to be a weird summer overall. So get ready for it. And everybody has infinite vacation time because no one went anywhere last year. Most yep. people rolled And over. everyone's drunk tolerance is way higher than it was because they've probably just been drinking at home. So it's a company, it's a disastrous combination, but it could be kind of fun. I don't know, but I just, everyone needs to get mentally prepared for what's going to happen. Hot girl summer is coming. Hot guy summer is coming. It's going to be like prohibition. Like when the roaring 20s happen, it's, it's getting wild. In my mind, when I think about summer 2021, when I went to Acapulco in spring break, Steve, in college, there was this thing where people would dance with the devil. Have you ever heard about this? Dance with the devil? I don't think so. So at this club, I believe if memory serves me correct, and I was definitely fuzzy, it was called Palladium. And people would have tables. I mean, we're talking drinks, we're talking techno, we're talking the whole bit. And at a certain point in the night, they would play sex, drugs, and house, and the devil would come out and he would be on this <laughs> platform and he had silver paint all over his body. And he would play this song that would be like, dance with the devil. And girls would be plucked from the crowd and they would dance with the devil and he would pull their tops down and people would be spraying champagne on them and the girls would have silver paint all over them and then fireworks would rain down from the sky and it was like 5 a.m. and I just <laughs> picture summer 2021 that's the entire summer it's just dancing with the devil we have paint everywhere there's fireworks There's ripping everyone's off. clothes off it's, everyone's yeah. clothes are being ripped off <laughs> and everyone's sharing about it it's just gonna be <laughs> consent obviously like with consent oh, of course yeah, clothes yeah. off of consent you know? yeah. But I picture that at a pool party. I picture that at just like a backyard barbecue and everyone's like, do it, dance with the devil, yeah. done. It's gonna be like Marquee Day Club in Vegas, but like <laughs> normal places, you know? In like Central just, Connecticut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, people in the streets of Hartford, just like pool parties everywhere. It's just gonna be, I mean, I'm ready for it because I am emotionally prepared myself. But I, know, I mean, I'm not gonna be necessarily partaking in all the shenanigans. I'm just ready to see it happen because again, it's been a long year. It's been a long year plus. People need an outlet, they're excited. It's nice out. It's a good thing we have the vaccine because I kind of think this is happening either way. And uh, <laughs> and I'm just happy. I'm happy for everybody. So go enjoy yourself. Obviously be safe, but this is just prepare yourself mentally. You say you're not partaking. I'm going to be dancing with the devil and be like, Saruti? <laughs> you yeah, are, I'll be out, I'll be be out like there the, ripping my shirt off. You are the yep. devil. Yep. You, no, you're going to be the devil. In Doing the tequila shots. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Well, speaking of that, everyone's going to be chronicling their hot girl summers on Instagram, Steve. I feel like everyone's Instagrams are about to be popping this summer because we haven't done shit in a year. And you know, what's our post bin. Check out my sourdough. Here's my sourdough starter. Snooze, okay? I want to see boat parties. Or I yeah. want to see things turned up. You've so, already shared the same vacation post from 2016 like nine times in the last oh, year already. Man. Like you can't, you have no more pictures left, period. Do you understand um, all my posts for the past calendar year have been on Throwback Thursday? That's literally what it's yep. been. It's like one consistent year of a Throwback Remember Thursday. Remember when life was fun? Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Like, oh, wait, I went to the beach once? Great. I forgot what it was like to be landlocked. Anyway, so... I watched this documentary on HBO called Fake Famous. Have you heard of this? Uh, yes, but I haven't seen it. Okay, well, you need to see it because we talk a lot about social media on this podcast. We obviously are on social media. We work in social media 
partly for our jobs. And I found this documentary to be so fascinating because it was a guy who covers social media and tech for the New York Times who did it. So this is his area of expertise. And he knew kind of some of the shady back channel stuff that had been going on in the social media world for a long time. So he did a blind casting call, picked three random people who had a really small social media following and wanted to see if he could make them famous through Instagram, basically following the same algorithm that a lot of these influencers have done. So part of that was staging photo shoots. So it was them in their backyards, you know, with champagne, pretending to be at a hotel they were not at, all these things. And this was pre-pandemic. And another big component of this was buying followers. So there's these shady websites out there where you can buy followers. And not only can you buy followers, Steve, you can buy likes and you can buy comments and you can buy engagement. And so this guy is buying these people tens of thousands of followers until they're 100,000 Instagram followers and most of them are bots. So then they're posting photos they're buying the likes and then they're buying the comments and all of these brands start reaching out to these people being like, Hey, I see you have a big following. Do you want to get a free spa day and post about it on social? I'll send you sunglasses if you post it, not knowing that all of their followers are fake. There's software that you can get where you can run people's socials to yeah. find out if their followers are fake or not. And so many celebrities, brands and influencers that are out there have bought followers. And I was like, this is outrageous, A, that people would think that that is that important, that they would wanna spend money buying bots to interact on their photos. Like, give me a freaking break. But the other thing I thought about is, if you're out there saying, I have this huge following, I have 150,000 followers, and two thirds of them are bots, you need an asterisk on your profile. Twitter, Instagram, whichever platform you're on should put an asterisk on there. This is like steroids, Steve. This is like the steroids of social this media. This is the like, home run I'll chase give, of 98. This is, this is McGuire and Sosa, okay? Yes, you're doing it. Yes, you have a big following, but it's not real. It's not real. So I am petitioning now for Instagram and for Twitter to put an asterisk on any profile where they know that people have bought followers. Okay. I fully endorse that because it's right. It's bullshit. But here's the thing. You can kind of tell in here's where I'm confused as well. Why don't these brands use that software? I've used the software before to check your own. I want to see how many, because everyone has fake followers. They don't even necessarily know it, but you do. They're, right. they're a boss to follow you. And obviously the more followers you have, the more likely you're going to have a, a chunk of them being bots. But I've never bought any followers. But you can check to see what percentage of someone's followers are fake. And I remember Rasilla and I were doing this because we wanted to figure out who was frauds in the media industry because it's very Rasilla and I think to do. Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of people come like 70% fraud, right? Fake, fake followers. Wow. But didn't Twitter, for, first off, why don't brands do that? Why would you ever offer someone anything if you know most of their brand is fake? What do we so know? they ran it through the software and it came back that most of one of this girl's followers who I think she had the most followers out of the experiment. It was about a hundred thousand. It came back that 70% of her followers were real. So the software didn't really work. Wow. Okay. okay yeah, they so were, that's, that's they were flabbergasted by this because the guy's like, I'm putting in my credit card information to buy this, buy these. Um, and to your point about why, I mean, you know, people crave, they want to say I have 100,000 followers. That's a big deal to some people. But it's I a don't lie. Really care. It's a lie. And then, you know, on the other it's hand. It's a corked bat. It's a lie. Well, actually, do you remember though, this was probably 
five years ago, I don't know, four or five years ago, Twitter did a purge of a lot of fake and people lost a ton of followers. I lost, I think a couple hundred, not again, not because I was doing that, but because they just got rid of a lot of fake and people lost thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even more followers during that. I remember people at ESPN personalities lost half of their following when this thing happened. So maybe Twitter just needs to do that again. Why can't we just purge out these bots? Because here's the thing is a lot of these bots too. I don't know if there's a difference between fake accounts and bots. There probably is a difference, but bots are also a problem because they're the one that they are the ones that feed us all this fake information, get everybody fucking confused online too. So not only are they fake, but they're fucking with people's heads. So the whole thing is insane. But, but I say all of that to get to my final point, which is all these social media companies, they want people that feel like they have a lot of followers and feel important and keep using the platform, right? So they're never going to police that. And if they flag someone for having fake followers, they're going to be less likely to use the platform. So it's a bad business plan for them. So there needs to almost be an independent body. And maybe Michelle and I will volunteer for that, where we just call out people for being frauds and be like, hey, this person's not real. So deal with it. And we'll flag people's accounts on their own. Should we make it like an account that says like it's fake AF? It's basically like anonymous, but for social media where you'll post up you know, obviously most of her followers are real because she's incredibly famous, but let's just use Kim Kardashian as an example because they ran hers and a ton of her followers are fake. But if if you posted this person has, like, I wish we could get access to who's purchased what. Like this person has Kim Kardashian. Do you Kardashian know anybody? For, so I have to tell you. I, I do. do. You do? Mm-hmm. So I don't know anyone personally, but I thought... There was a couple people that I'm social media friends with, not friends with in real life, that are influencers. And after I watched this, I was like, I'm going to go check. There was one person who had, let's say, about 4,000 followers a month or two ago and now has about 10. And I was like, that's a pretty big jump in a small period of time. And so I went and clicked on the followers and I started scrolling every single one, no profile picture, click it, zero followers, zero posts, click it, zero followers, zero posts. And I'm like, bingo, you bought followers. Then there was someone else who had about 100,000 a couple months ago, now it's 130,000. Scrolling, bot, scrolling, bot. And I started thinking, I go, I bet way more people do this than I even realize. So I don't know if this works on Instagram because I'm not as savvy on Instagram, but on Twitter, the biggest giveaway to me was people who have a lot of followers and they tweet something out and they get like one to two likes and a retweet you know that most of their followers are fake. And there's a lot of people who I'm like, yep. So you've got 100,000 followers, but you got five likes on a tweet. I mean, I could literally tweet anything and get more than that. I don't have, and I'm not, this isn't even like a brag alert thing. It's just that my followers are real. And I only have like, what, I think just under 20,000. So if I tweet, yo, I'd get at least five likes. And this person who has 100,000 followers. I want you to tweet yo right now. No, I'm not gonna do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not gonna do that. Um, But, this, this person who has 100,000 followers tweets something like meaningful and he gets five likes and a retweet. Like something is fishy. So you can tell if you really do the digging, like you said, you can tell who ha- who is kind of fudging the system a little bit. Which a little bit, is, a lot. But it's interesting because on Instagram, you can buy likes. You can buy likes because that's what they were saying is if you have, let's say 10,000 followers and you're getting 100 likes, that's clearly not something's off there, right? And so what they would do is they would buy likes and they would buy comments. So the comments were very generic, like amazing posts, you look Fire great. Fire emoji. Fire <laughs> emoji, things like that, because it's this bot farm in Egypt or something that just has this algorithm that is pushing it out on every post that people buy it for. Yeah. Where does this fall in our you be happy plastic surgery thing though? Because listen, if you're buying followers and you want the likes and that makes you feel like you're a better, more whole person, 
are we being hypocritical here if we're all if we're pro plastic surgery but then not pro feeling good about yourself online i don't know i'm just throwing it out there i think they're different but i'm not really sure how i would explain that i guess i find it different because if you have an insecurity about the way you look and you want to fix it you are living in this house every day and you should decorate your house the way you want to decorate your house yeah but my bigger issue with the social media thing and people could of course say this about your body too from a vanity standpoint is why are we placing such importance on social media to me it's this broader conversation about people only finding value and validity and how many likes they get. And if that means so much to you that you have to buy likes, that is crazy to me that you care about it that much that you have to buy them. So, and listen, you could say the same thing about calves if you're a dude and you want calves. Like, you don't care about calves <laughs> that much, weird. you have to buy them. But you know what I'm saying. You could do it with ass implants, whatever. It's literally the same concept. But I think to me, it speaks to like this bigger issue we have as a society where people are addicted to their phones and addicted to technology. And you could even say that the social media stuff is contributing to the plastic surgery that we're supporting. It yeah. just bothers me because I feel like we should care about the things we're saying and you having a genuine care to share that with the world rather than just spouting something off because you think you're going to get likes. So there was a really interesting conversation on Bill Maher. I forget what week it was last week, that went on, a couple weeks ago, whatever. And I've always been a believer that every generation thinks the generation after them is stupid or ruining society or what, you know what I mean? The old generation always thinks the younger generation is ruining everything. It goes back to rock and roll music in the 50s, the Beatles, the hippies, 80s, whatever you want to do in the 80s, I don't even know, all the way up till now, rap music, everything. Oh, everything's ruined. Television was ruined, ruined society. The radio originally ruined. Oh my God, it's going to ruin everything, poisoning everyone's ears. And I think about it and I go, okay, is social media any different? Okay, everyone's like, oh, social media is poisoning everyone's minds, right? It's ruining society, it's ruining kids. And I do believe that we did overreact to the television, the radio, rock and roll. People just sort of adapt, but this feels different. And I don't know, maybe it's just it me does. getting older. Um, and now I'm the old man and I'm like, get off my lawn. But social media and Bill Maher put it well, he was like the difference between the radio and rock and roll and television is like, you could turn that shit off. Your social media footprint and people, that's your life. That's everything about some people, a lot of people, that's all they care about. And they're validated by it. And that's not how television, the radio, all these other things were. It consumes you. It really is who you are as a, at, at your core as a person. So I don't know where I stand. I'm not saying I'm on one fence or the other. I just, I think, or I'm on, on one, one side or the other. I'm on the fence. But I do think social media is just different because you don't turn it off. It is who you are as a person fundamentally. And a lot of people get their validation and happiness from it. And we've never seen anything like that in the history of humanity, really. And I'm, I'm not trying to be like a Debbie Downer, but it's, it's wild to me. I, just, I think it's interesting to yeah. talk about. Well, they also, in this documentary and um, other documentaries that I've seen about social media, talk about the impact it has on young kids, how mm -hmm. we are seeing depression and anxiety rates skyrocket because of kids being insecure about the way they look on social media or they're getting cyber bullied. We're seeing suicide rates skyrocket, mm -hmm. especially with young girls because of stuff like this. And I just think that is so sad. I think about how awkward I was as a kid. When you're in that space, you're finding yourself, you're figuring out who you are and you want as a kid for you to feel innocent and for you to feel like you can do silly things and then not have to look back at it or be embarrassed. I think that for kids, it's so 
it's such a slippery slope because it is cool that kids can be exposed to all of this information and be exposed to people all across the world. But it is also really implanting in their brains the value of how you look and, you know, teaching kids that I'm trying to phrase this in an effective way, but like, I want to say something because that's what I believe, right? I want to be genuine because of my thoughts and my opinions. I think kids are learning that they want to say something because they think it's trending or because they think that it's going to get them more clout online rather than them developing their own unique thoughts. Does that make sense? It's more like a herd mentality, which I think is nuts. I think uh, it also sort of robs kids of being able to make mistakes that kids make, right? Everything is, everything is public. You kind of can't live any of that stuff down you know everything that you do is and if you make a stupid post or something happens or you get bullied on you can't or you know used to go home from school and at least you wouldn't be bullied now you can be bullied 24 hours a day seven days a week i don't even know how we got into this but it's just i know it's now it's it's, a deep term (laughs) i know i know um it all goes back to people buying followers it's just but it's also done so many great things social media right um you know it's connected people in ways that we've never been before it's made life more efficient it's a yin and a yang of here's the greatness and here's the bad stuff that comes with it. And you have to take the whole thing. Um, it's all or nothing. And I don't know, back to buying followers though, just to where we started. I just, I've never understood why I don't care. I don't care. I really don't. If I had two followers, I really don't care. Um, I don't care either. I would rather have two real followers than a thousand fake followers. But that's what, not how people think. That's not. What would you people... do though? If you found out one of your close friends was buying followers, what would you do? I'd make fun of them. Well, and that's probably not the right thing to do. Differently but, yeah. of them though, when you think differently, I, I would almost like, feel bad for them. I would be like, no. I'd be like, dude, that's a bummer for you. I, why do you feel like the need to? No, I'm not even not. I'm not even saying that in a funny way. I'm no, saying that I like, know, I feel sad like, that you need that to feel validated. I feel sad that you feel like you need to buy followers to prove something to somebody. You and I are unique in that, and you know, I'm sure it might be interesting to actually talk about to somebody, you know, about that because it is kind of interesting. You and I. We're like afraid of our own shadows. We are afraid to promote things too much. We don't want to be in people's faces too much. We're very cognizant of that. Whereas I think a lot of other people, you know, they want to put out a, a good image online. They want to make sure they're getting a bunch of likes and they're seen by all these people that they, they think are important. That's just never been important to you and I. So it's hard for us to really comment on that. But I just, I would feel bummed for a friend if that did happen. I'd be like, hey, why, why do you feel the need to be validated by just because you have a couple thousand extra followers? I don't know, who, people that you don't even know. Or who are bots? They're not even real people. What are we doing? Anyway. What are we doing? I mean, for real. Sloman, there you go. Um, Yeah, anyway. But you should watch the doc. I wanted to share that. Maddie's watched it. She she told me, so yeah. Okay, Steve. Well, I didn't mean to end the podcast on a bummer of a note. I thought it was going to be more us going back and forth and teasing about how ridiculous it is that people would buy followers. And then we got into the deep depths of society and social media. So sorry. My bad. Um, but let's get to a review. If you haven't already, please head to Apple Podcasts, search for Small Talk, subscribe to it, rate it, preferably five stars, and leave a review. Like our friend Steve, Coffee Addict, but instead of the E's, they're threes. Nice. I love that. Which I love, which love, I love that. Too. Internet culture. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, so this review, Steve, frustrated, period, mm. but five stars. Frustrated, period, but five stars. Huh. The frustrating thing about the pod is that they can't hear me when I join in on the conversation. I'm constantly responding to the discussion out loud, like I'm having a beer with them while they go back and forth. I listen at work and my coworker likes to make fun of me because I'm constantly arguing out loud to nobody. I got fired up when they were talking about what Instagram posts are okay slash not okay to like when you're in a relationship. Love this pod. It genuinely is like sitting down with a couple of friends and talking slash discussing slash debating random stuff. 
I got nervous there for a second because the sentence started with I got fired and I was like, whoa, <laughs> what's happening? What do we do? Wait, do we get somebody fired? That's not what we that's not what we're trying to do. But no, I, I think that's what people like about the show, and that's what we try to do. I've always thought this. There's gotta be a way where we can incorporate people into the show, right? Or have them in some way more than we are now. So I don't have that idea. If anyone else has that idea, feel free to suggest it because I'm open and I'm all ears. I think both of us would be, but it would be cool to somehow get some sort of listener feedback, maybe in real time, or at least the next week to do something more than just reading a review, which is also great. But I don't know, because that's what a lot of people say is that it's like having a conversation with your friends you can't take part in. So sorry, I guess that you're welcome, but sorry. That's why we need this pandemic to end so we can do a live pod. Live pod would be great. Then we could just do an AMA for like three hours. It would be awesome. <laughs> Bush light for everyone. Yeah. I mean, Bud Light for me, but. Well, we could do Bud Bush, whatever. It's fine. It is what it is. But uh, figure it out. That would be really cool. And again, we appreciate everyone who listens to the pod. It's really awesome. And I guess, you know, I'm glad you didn't get fired. That got me nervous for a second there. I know. And when I saw it said frustrated, period, I was like, oh, shit. That too. Yeah, it was a, it was a, <laughs> that was a roller coaster. I didn't know what to expect there. It was like frustrated, great, fired. Okay, no, we're okay. But uh, there you go. Good stuff. It is. So as we mentioned at the top of the pod, we did do a blind taste test, a burger taste test with Maddie, Steve's wife, and Sir Rudy, obviously, finished the, the burgers off, which mm. is why he's in pain right now. But head to smalltalkpod.com. You can watch the entire video if you're interested in seeing her thoughts on three fast food burgers. She's never had any, and they were McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's. So... Head to smalltalkpod.com to find out which one she ranked number one out of the three. And of course, while you're there, check out John's incredible Shell Talk blog. He is such a funny writer. He has song suggestions. He actually gets to throw in his opinion like our reviewer wanted to, but he's a great writer. So check out the Shell Talk blog while you're there. John, unbelievable writer, way more clever than you and I, either of us, probably probably both of us combined. So shout out to John, shout out to the blog. He's the best. Absolutely. Well, Steve and I will be back in action next week. But until then, go Illini. I got to go pop some Pepto. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.